Welcome to the Pleasure Provocateur, a weekly devotion to pleasure that invites the erotically curious to break free of cultural conditioning and dive deep into the realms of erotic exploration. I'm your host, Laray, erotic embodiment coach and founder of Slutty Girl Problems, supporting you to let go of shame, empower your pleasure, and embody and express your authentic self. Join me on a journey as we unravel the intersection of sex and society to cultivate deeper connections and expand and embolden our pleasure. This episode is part of the Erotic Artistry series, bi-weekly conversations with sex-positive artists where we explore art's powerful influence to shift paradigms and empower our erotic expression. Hello, my pleasure seekers. I am so excited about today's episode. I just had the most amazing conversation with Ivana Del Lune all about burlesque. Ivana is Australia's most sought after burlesque performers and tours sold out shows throughout the country and also holds amazing workshops that are all about reclaiming our sexuality, embodying our sensual selves and that dark kind of playful, vixen, empowering energy that can come through when we are expressing ourselves through the art of burlesque. All of that beautiful embodiment, that sensuality, and really feeling empowered to come light up the room, to be that vixen, to have communication and boundaries, and to really feel into that seductive, flirtatious energy. We talked a lot about inclusivity and burlesque and in this art form, how it's not just about our body or our age, but from that confidence that comes from within and giving us that voice and movement to really come home into ourselves, into our center, and to feel like we are the center of the stage. Whether you end up going on stage or not, having that community around you that is boosting you up and helping you embrace your your fierce femme fatale, whether you want to play a dangerous in control role or the slinky sex kitten across the stage, just really using this to empower ourselves, boost our confidence and feel completely embodied in our eroticism and our sensuality. You're totally going to love this conversation. We talk about the history of burlesque and where it came from in the golden age of burlesque, burlesque icons, and how we navigate confidence and our empowerment and our self-esteem and give ourselves pep talks to really get into that sexy headspace to be able to show up whether it is online or in a performance. And if you're curious about anything burlesque, Ivana's got the answers for you. We also explore incorporating erotic props into performances. And I share one of my own personal stories of when I was hosting virtual sex parties online. So that's a really fun part of our conversation in addition to everything else. And we talk about the magic wand in particular as one of those props, whether in burlesque, at sex parties, or the combination of both. So if you want to go get your own magic wand, all of those links are going to be in my show notes below. They can be a really fun way not only to enhance your solo pleasure, your partnered pleasure, but if you are in the performance arts, they are such an icon of pleasure. They just like are this imagery that shows, oh my goodness, the strength of orgasm and vibration and connection and just that juicy yummy goodness it's just like this instantly recognizable symbol so of course I recommend using a magic wand because they are my tried and true favorite and the first thing that I reach for but it's so cool to explore how even in an artistic sense they are making an impact culturally artistically for our senses and the art of the tease so you can go get your own in my show notes below and read my candid reviews on my thoughts on each if you like our show, please just go hit follow, subscribe, give it a like, give it a review, especially on Apple. And you're going to have to excuse my raspy voice this week. I am traveling through Portland and those allergies did a number on my vocal cords, but I am in recovery and super excited to be here with you and talking with Ivana. So enjoy my pleasure seekers. 
I am so excited to have you on today, Ivana. I am so inspired by your work and it is just so playful and adventurous and fun and such a beautiful way to express ourselves and our sensuality and eroticism. So I'm curious what got you into burlesque and starting to play with these erotic, sensual self-expressions through your art and your work. Yeah, such an interesting thing to look into as well. I think I first really, really started to delve into at least the really erotic side of burlesque through finding Dita Von Tees and finding her other side of her work. I also was really, really inspired by Betty Page growing up and I used to see all of her girl next door photos, seeing how she looked and seeing how she presented herself and also how highly society regarded these women, even though like historically you could look into all of the naughty things that they got up to on the side and they still were seen as very very I suppose high class beautiful women which was something that I think when I got into burlesque that wasn't necessarily always shown or that wasn't always the thing that we focused on in class we were focusing on doing you know big bumps and grinds and doing very very vulgar movements but then to see how women throughout history were able to market and present themselves and show off this other side of them and still be regarded as people who deserved respect, deserved, you know, adoration was exciting for me because it was something that I was really interested in. I was really interested in erotic art and I was someone who loved to consume erotic art. I loved to look around and see these beautiful people expressing themselves and I just wanted to be a part of the fun really. I love that you mentioned Dita Von Tees and Betty Page because back when they were kind of coming up, it was still in the fringes and taboo mm. and these pieces of society that were hidden. And um, even I think about like Marilyn Monroe. Now we look back and we say, oh, these powerful erotic icons that mm -hmm. just, you know, were this embodiment of sensuality and femininity. But at the time they were both like highly regarded and it was also still kind of shameful and stigmatized. It was as if like Absolutely. living on the edges of these taboos is both part of the appeal and also uh, ends up being a source of shame for women. Mm -hmm. Well, that's taboo in general. Yeah. It's so exciting and yet so scary in a way. It's You're not supposed to touch it, but the people that do are just so exciting. So I always loved looking at them. Yeah. I loved, yeah, I always loved looking at their art and there were so many books. I think the first book that I got of Dita's where it was the art of the tease and on the other side it was the art of fetish and I would always proudly show that other side. I was always had that fetish side up and I wanted to look at all of those images and look at all of those yeah, fringe photos and I loved the idea as well not just about Dita, but watching and seeing all of these erotic histories and going through these archives of all of these really, really old photos of um, nude women and lewd women and people just expressing themselves. And I love the idea of being a grandma one day and having the biggest, most vulgar collection of photos of myself throughout every stage of my life. <laughs> I love that. I say that to myself now. I'm in my 30s and I'm like, I should have taken more nudes when I was in my 20s. So I'm just going to take them all yes. now because when I'm 40, I'm going to look back and be like, I want all the titties from when I was yeah. 30. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something really like culturally powerful about getting to embody that self-expression and share it through your art. How have you found that burlesque has really helped you to step into your own erotic embodiment and feel free to express yourself both in life or in partnerships or just going around the world and feeling more authentic and embodied? I think it's one of the most powerful sports expressions that there is I think anytime I meet anyone in life that's feeling self-conscious or you know self-doubt or lacks a little bit of confidence I just say do a burlesque class I honestly it's going to change your entire mindset of what is right and what is wrong and how you should feel about yourself because I remember the first time I got into burlesque and actually did a class I was so astounded by 
how supportive the environment was and I think it's more about the support rather than actual the actual work because I mean you can do sexy dance moves anywhere but to actually be amongst people who are like-minded or going through similar things people from all walks of earth just really embracing themselves I remember seeing women of every shape and size every age like dancing in the same routine as women who are 65 and you know aren't stereotypically what society thinks is sexy but thinking they were the sexiest people alive and thinking oh my god how can I be more like these incredibly empowered women and just have those same people also look up to you and say wow you're amazing as well like it's just a a big positive um fest where we all just make love to each other and movement and you know through nice words and you know we all help each other get ready like it's just this big I feel like when you're looking for a coven for yourself or you're looking for some sort of commute real community it's all about the community for me and I think being able to get into that and see these people be a part of it and fearlessly be a part of it and not worry about repercussion and I think yeah it's just that's just what it's all about really yeah it's really this um just source of empowerment and community and just like this I love the word coven I think that that's just such a powerful world because it kind of is this like our sensuality is sometimes this witchy magic where we get to play with it and Mm -hmm. flirt and tease and when you think about burlesque Mm -hmm. it's like the art of seduction and uh, that playfulness Mm -hmm. kind of taking over and I, I just love that so much was there like a pivotal moment in your journey that really helped you to tap into that energy I've just done a lot of workshops really with as many people as I could. I, once I found it and I, once I found out that, okay, this was my life now because it was very quick. It was the first workshop that I ever did and found out how easy it was to get into. I think it was a barrier for me. At least I'm someone who can be quite shy at times or doesn't really like to take steps to get into the action step. And I think once my ex-girlfriend at the time had taken me to that class and I had gone there and I realized how easy it was to book, how easy it was to get there, how easy it was to walk through the door and how nice everyone was when I got there, it was just no holding back at that point. And then so I decided that I was going to learn from as many people as I could, because I think when you are learning anything you probably should learn from as many people as you can because everybody has different teaching styles and everyone has different you know aspects that they bring to the table and burlesque itself is so individual so it's important to not just have a secular view of what something is because you need to expand those horizons but I think it was yeah there's a few key people who really really pushed me and made me feel really excited about it and one of them is my mentor, uh, who's Valma Vulwa, who also has a really good podcast about sex and sexuality. You would love it. But she really pushed me into getting into the more sensual side of it and listening to her talk and move and watching her really express her sensuality on stage made me so excited about it as well. And so just the more I watched and the more I participated and the more I got into it the more I just soaked up this energy and I feel like it was this energy that I had been denying in myself for a really long time and I feel like that's a really big part of it is all of that's within everyone we are inherently very sexual people we are just a sexual species we need it to survive we need it to thrive and a lot of us deny it for many reasons and we push it away and we say okay that's not for me I don't need to access that part of myself but freeing yourself and allowing yourself to actually yeah giving your permit giving yourself permission to really really express yourself is so powerful so for me it was all about voyeurism and being able to actually express pleasure so that people could see that and give themselves the permission to do it as well 
Like my favorite thing about performing is getting off stage and hearing how people took that or how people were inspired by that. I get a lot of feedback saying, oh, I saw you do that and I feel like maybe I could also do that. And I, hell yeah, that's exactly what I want to hear. I want to hear people excited about it. I want to hear people wanting to get into it because they want to express themselves too. And I think that's just the power of burlesque is it's inspiration. Yeah, I love that so much. It so resonates with me when you say that it's this energy that we deny in ourselves mm. for such a long time and we deserve to be free and give ourselves permission because I grew up with so much shame around my sexuality mm. and thinking that it needed to be hidden or ashamed of it. And then even just like things like dancing in front of the mirror alone would feel uncomfortable in my own skin, but then learning to just embrace that and then even going further to be able to share that, talk about it, whether it's with a partner or like a private strip tease or whether you're performing on stage and expressing your eroticism is just so empowering to be able to fully yeah. step into that. And then once you do, it's like, now I feel like I can walk around the supermarket in sweatpants and a t-shirt and I I still feel hot because I'm just like glowing on that energy. You yes. know? <laughs> it's all in yeah, there. absolutely. And now you host workshops all around the country in Australia with people of, that are super inclusive of all bodies, shapes, sizes, abilities. And I'm, I'm so curious what that experience has been like, because so many people might think that burlesque is for a certain body type or a certain look or has to be mm. a certain way, but it really is this inclusive art form. Absolutely. I remember my experience growing up as a dancer because I did dance when I was younger. I danced for, I had 15 years of classical training and that was very ingrained in me that there was a certain type of body for dancing and it even pushed me more towards the burlesque line in general because I was too tall for ballet, too tall for gymnastics, <clears throat> legs far too long for anything, uh, very, I suppose, proper in terms of dancing. And so there wasn't ever an opportunity for me to really succeed at those lines of dance, which was okay. I was very okay with that. But to get to the end of my dance career and not really know where to go from there and also just knowing the industry, knowing how very, very exclusive it is, the dance industry in general, especially the commercial dance industry, has a really long way to go in terms of how body shape accessible it is. And then to find this space where it didn't matter what body you had you just had to have a body that was it was very much that it was stepping into a space that was like oh you have a body perfect that's sexy enough let's have let's have you and so to step into a space where every single body shape was accepted and not only just accepted but appreciated and applauded like the applause was the the big thing that stuck out stuck out to me was you hear the level of cheers for every single performer that steps up. It has nothing to do with any sort of external factor. It's got to do with the confidence that you hold within. And it was also the age thing for me, like being so excited that performers were getting up in their 60s. There's a performer that performed all the way up on stage till she was 82 on stage, uh, who's a very, very famous burlesque performer. Tempest Storm. She started performing when she was very young and did it all the way up until she was 82 and people were still cheering so much to watch this woman perform. And it's so exciting for me as someone who is going to get older, who is someone who is going to age as we all do, to know that this space is so inclusive for as long as I'll have it, really. And I think, yeah, once it comes to, you know, races and all of other things that are involved like genders there is no gender that is correct for burlesque as well you can be a boy you can be something else you can be whatever you like it's just this space and it is this art form that really really is all about acceptance and I think one of my friends says something really wonderful that um sexuality oh sorry confidence is not oh, I've completely messed that up that's not even what it is sexy is not an age it's an attitude oh I love that yeah and so that's from the Phoenix burlesque troupe in Melbourne and they're a troupe of above 50 years old uh, burlesque 
artists and they all just embrace that sexy on stage all the time and they're so inspiring to watch there are so many incredible artists with that we're so lucky to have in Australia and I'm yeah just so it's so humbling to watch these beautiful people at every single age every single step of their life it's awesome that is so powerful I'm like my cheeks hurt from smiling so much because (laughs) this is just something that I feel like we all need and deserve in our lives, especially in a world where you see like thin, able-bodied, cis, white people in Mm -hmm. every commercial, in every, you know, kind of art form. And that this is just so open and expansive and supportive is just like lighting me up. So in all of your work in workshops and doing this work, have you noticed a difference in the treatment and acceptance of various body sizes and abilities or non-white folks in the burlesque space? And then how do you combat that in your work and your workshops as an able-bodied white person? Yeah. So that, I love that question, especially focusing specifically on the fact that I, yeah, do appear to be an able-bodied white person myself I find a lot of inspiration and need to really combat that in particular because my dad is of Indonesian descent and so he grew up in Australia within the white Australia policy which was only up until I think the 80s it was very very not accepted to be anything other than white in Australia so there is a lot of inherent racism within our country and I do have direct experience of seeing how that affects families and how that affects people because my dad was a brown man growing up in Australia which was very very difficult for him and I've seen how hard it has been for him to be able to access things and access you know job rights and job promotions and things like that so then to be able to have a space where we have a lot of influence and we have a lot of power of how we support and bring up people who have had marginalized voices, whether it's due to disability, race, body size, all of these things to create a space that is above prejudice, that is above all of these things that hold people back or historically holds people back. It's not something that should hold people back ever and definitely not moving forward. So finding and making a space that is inclusive and is accepting is something that I'm really, really inspired by and something that I really want to do because it life has been unfair and it just doesn't need to be anymore. And especially in a space where it's all about uplifting people, it should uplift everyone together. So that's what my focus is. And again, it's all about listening and helping people tell their story finding a way or talking to people and listening to the voices of people who need to be listened to. It's not about um, necessarily my opinions on how I think I can make it help. It's about listening to the people who need the help and finding out how you can help them. I love that so much. And it really is such an intimate art form in that you're kind of bearing your soul on stage and your hardships and your trauma and you get to transmute your pain through your body Mm. and pleasure that I can imagine in these workshops, some of that is naturally coming up. The trauma that we carry around in our bodies and our identities and our intersections of oppression. Absolutely. I get a lot of feedback about that, especially depending on which workshop it is, again, because they all have different focuses. But I have one of my workshops that really does delve into the reasons why we do burlesque and the reasons why we access these sexy art forms or these these different styles of movement. And a lot of it does tend to be trauma-based. It's people trying to get out of their heads and into their bodies, trying to get out of these mindsets or these conditioned responses to things and find a way that they can move and feel good about themselves and that's it's in everything and it's it's not one person's experience we all have so much in common when it comes to this and I know for me burlesque has been so healing for a lot of my traumas so being able to access something that also is within a safe space and you know you're not going to be judged or you know you're not going to be persecuted or made to feel badly if you do have an emotional time while you're doing it is also something that's really 
really important about the art form as well and important about having that community. I think that's so powerful. Body work has been so important to my own trauma healing because I so often freeze and feel shut down Mm. or I disassociate and don't feel in my body at all. And working through that through movement and embodiment and um, just like the teeny bitty baby steps of sensuality has started to help unfreeze my nervous system. And a lot of people talk about that with kink too, that like having that voice and agency and a supportive consensual kink experience or in an art form where you're expressing your sensuality just helps to refine your voice, refine uh, that sense of home in your body. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, with that power play and being able to you know, top from the bottom and, you know, all of these things where you you look like you're in a situation where you're not in control or you're the submissive or something like that. So it looks like you're not someone with the voice, but actually you have the most power in the situation because you're allowing these things to happen. You're saying, yes, I want this to happen to me or yes, that's what I, that's what I want to accept or like, please, this is what it's open discussions. It's open consent. It's contracts, it's forms. It's saying, this is what I want. This is how I want it. And I would love if you gave that to me. And even if you're saying I'm taking, taking away the reins and I don't have control, you are still in control of taking away the reins and you can pull it back at any time. Like if we had safe words in real life, I think life would be so much easier. Absolutely. Oh, that sparked an idea. I'm going to pause until it comes back. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that reminds me, I'm curious if um, burlesque has helped you to start to navigate communication and boundaries Mm. and that self-expression in these other aspects of your life. So like advocating for yourself, not just sexually or with a partnership, but even at work and embodying that like fierce confidence that you bring to the stage in these other aspects to assert yourself and and your needs and wants, desires. Definitely. It's, it's, being able to embody that really, really powerful woman. It's it's so exciting to really, really believe that you are the person that has all of the power in the situation. You are this person who is in control of everything. You are this person that people should bow down to and appreciate and listen to and watch and wait for. So it's such a powerful thing to be able to really be appreciated and not only just appreciated but really affirmed that that is true and then to be able to take that off stage and sort of walk with that spring in your step and know okay no this is valid my feelings around this are valid I can speak for myself I can feel that power for myself I watch a lot of my students over time and I watch them grow over time and not only do they become better dancers but they start to you know, do their makeup differently or their hair differently and they wear a little bit more provocative clothes and they have that, you know, fearlessness in their lives. And it's not just the dancing that changes it. It's just the attitude. There's such an attitude behind burlesque and it's just fearlessness. I love that so much. It is so powerful. I'm inspired. I want to like go take a burlesque class now and do it. Yes, I have to do Do it. it. (laughs) definitely do it I'm curious when you have folks that come into your workshops that are maybe new to burlesque or have been marginalized in society that are now expressing themselves through this um what is the impact and reaction and uh how does that kind of ripple out into the community well it's all about that empowerment really it's it's about giving them a voice it's about giving them the opportunity to express themselves I start every workshop with a little sit down chit chat. So we all sit in a circle and it's very important for me to get to Mm. know my students. I want to know why they're there so I can tap into what they're here for. So for me, it's all about giving them a voice and giving them an opportunity and yeah, rotating the room a lot. So we all get the opportunity to be in the front or be in the center or have the moment or have, yeah, just having a moment to really empower themselves. And at the end of the class, which is the part that people get, I suppose, daunted by, but I break them up into two groups. So they have the opportunity to 
dance in front of a group of people and the group of people will sit there and cheer their heads off for that hard work that everyone's put in for that hour and a half to learn this choreography and to learn this dance and then to get to the end and perform it in front of another group of people is scary but it's also really empowering to just have those people sit there and just tell you how amazing you are because not a lot of us get that not a lot of us have access to being lifted up and it's devastating to hear and I I find it really really sad but to then give people the opportunity to be cheered on and to be so openly appreciated for everything they do is just, I feel like that really helps. And I think when it comes to, you know, all of these marginalized voices, it's about listening. And I think, you know, we sit there and all of us, we sit there listening to each other's stories. And sometimes we get into the really deep nitty gritty of it. And sometimes it's quite surface level, but it'll always be open to listening and open to hearing how I can do better and I also send out a lot of feedback forms for my workshops as well and I'm always listening to hear how I can do better how I can include more how I can create a safer space I get a lot of comments that it's a very very safe space and so I just want to keep doing that I just want to keep allowing people to love themselves more that's all I want (laughs) I love that so much. It's so fantastic that we do have these outlets to be able to express ourselves, especially when in society it can feel so quieted. And the history of burlesque really seemed like it's kind of been born out of the prohibition of Mm. um, bodies and then becoming this self-expressed liberation through that art. I know that you are passionate about the history of burlesque. I would love to hear some more about how that came to be and the intersection of feminism and burlesque and how that's um, kind of evolved in modern times. Yeah. Well, burlesque, as as we know it, very much was a male-run art form. So when it began, uh, it well, maybe not so so much when it began because the, the lines of where it really began are quite blurred. There's a lot of mixed history in it. But when it really was quite popular, if we think about the golden era of burlesque, which is around yeah the 1920s to the 1950s, this is the most popular era and the era that we all look back as, the silver screen, starlets, all of those things. That was mostly male-dominated. The audience members were very male-dominated. The clubs were owned by men. It was all men running these spaces for women. But women were also very, very empowered around this time in a way because they were able to make money off their bodies. They were able to really support themselves, have a livelihood for themselves. They had to really accept that they weren't going to be accepted in society. I find a lot of people say things to me like burlesque is very classy and to me it's just historical stripping it's like very very nerdy historical stripping because these women weren't accepted at their time in life and they weren't seen as people who were classy they weren't seen as people who were accepted but they were appreciated they were you know well paid they were sometimes of course but they were able to look after themselves and they were able to make a living which in a time when women couldn't open bank accounts when they couldn't you know exist or live without a man allowing them to was a huge thing so I've always found that really inspiring especially around women who weren't able to join the workforce being able to find something that they could do and do well and make money off their body was something that was very exciting but then when we move into the later years of life so burlesque started to dwindle as strip clubs started to open because that's really the pipeline is you know women didn't really want the censorship of their body anymore they didn't want to be told oh I can't you know show my nipples or my other bits they wanted to be able to get naked if they wanted to and men clearly supported that (laughs) the men that uh, wanted to watch that went with them and they started to change the regulations and laws for different venues so they started to open strip clubs and the women who 
were more into that in the burlesque scene started to move to the clubs and that's how that transition went so burlesque really started to dwindle after the 60s and so it was petering off and there wasn't much happening up until about the 90s or the late 80s and the burlesque revival began and this was when neo burlesque which is basically new age burlesque which is the era that we're in at the moment really became something that was really really celebrated and this is when women started to flock back to this space and I say women but there are obviously non-binary queer humans and men involved in this as well but it is majority of the time mostly women so that's why I say that but these women started to flock back into this space and the women started to join the audience as well and I think there is a direct correlation between the fact that sexuality was becoming more accepted at this time. Obviously, it wasn't fully accepted and it still honestly has long ways to go, but it was women who were now no longer being persecuted for enjoying the female form, being able to access this space and appreciate each other and lift each other up. And they started to recreate this scene where women and people of all different identities would come into a space and just really really express themselves and so this is that movement that we're in at the moment and it's just expanding and getting bigger and bigger all the time but yeah it's it's really changed a lot throughout history and I think we're in this really nice sweet spot at the moment where things are just getting more and more inclusive I love that so much. It's such a fascinating history because I I think about the the overlap with sex work and how sex work in general for women identifying folks and women, um, it it's just been like the oldest profession. It's an accessible profession, and like you said, when we weren't able to have access to banks and uh, other types of jobs, it has been mm-hmm. there as a, a tool and a way to progress and make money, and just the empowerment of that, but also the difficulty of that. That that it is sometimes our only avenue is through our bodies um, and that mm-hmm. we've over time gotten to also reclaim that through the art from going from it being a male dominated and objectifying or the only option to an expressive and expansive and playful and creative option and how that has gotten mm. to evolve over time and become more inclusive and and that we still have so much more work to do because so often um, sex work isn't uh, somebody's like first empowered choice. It's something that they may uh, need to fall back on during a hard time. Mm-hmm. But that there are these avenues where we get to reclaim and have income and make money off of something that feels really authentic and playful and expressive and just honoring all the different phases of that throughout history. Um, I So my great-grandmother was a flapper and also worked at a brothel in New York City. And I'm now through my lens, I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, what like a wild time and a wild story. But wow. I never got to talk to her and I don't know her story and the hardships and the the difficulty of, of being a woman in that era. And I, I love that you mentioned that it's the golden age because we do look back often and um, have this idea of it in our minds as like glitz and glam and beauty and I think about like the Moulin Rouge the movie Mm. and then like sometimes the dark underbelly of of that work and and those communities but now now we're continually uh getting to create our own narratives and and refine Mm. it in an empowering way yeah it is interesting I feel like the dark underbelly is the part that's sort of yeah, it's very under the surface, but that's really what the heart of burlesque was. It's it's that deep, raw sensuality, and it is that kind of disgusting nature that made it so enticing. And I, yeah, at least for me, I definitely love all of those really, yeah, dark, sensual uh, aspects of it. And yeah, the the it was very, very much that, especially in the 1920s, it was all about the Great Depression. It was all about trying to stay 
excited about life. It, that that's yeah. what the flappers were there for. That's what the burlesque was there for. It was very very much trying to give these men and people excitement again, trying to give them something to look forward to. Uh, back I, in the day, it used to be cheaper for men to buy a ticket to the theater than it was for them to go and take a train home to their wife and kids. Mm. So men were falling asleep in the back of burlesque theaters because it was cheaper. So there's so much to be said there that is in so, relation to what the times were like. Wow, that is so interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Mm. That totally makes sense for the era. So yeah. cool. Trying what to save that? money. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. And just being able to let loose, because I guess it was also the prohibition era. So being mm. able to just find those little pieces of joy where you can get them. Do you feel like there mm. has been misconceptions and stereotypes about burlesque that have maybe been old and outdated or things that are from a past time uh, or that were misconceptions about how it was then that now we are destigmatizing and reclaiming and reframing? Mm, I think there's constant misconceptions about what burlesque is I think a lot of the time it happens and is because of pop culture media I think the probably the the reference that has done the most to change what people think about burlesque would be the most uh recent thing which would be burlesque the movie is probably the thing that's changed everyone's idea about what burlesque is. It's the most common thing that we talk about as well as being it's not burlesque. It's really not burlesque. It's it's the the movie name Cabaret was already taken and that movie itself if you look at the casting, if you look at the what was shown on stage, it's all thin people. It's all thin people doing sexy dancers that are very sparkly and very glitzy and if you look at the burlesque scene I mean rhinestones are, are sure they're a part of it but they're not a part of every act and they're not a part of every single expression it's a very one view about what burlesque is and burlesque isn't just ticking those sexy dance boxes there's so many different styles of burlesque that are all valid and all very entertaining but they're not just like that they are very very mixed and far in between even throughout history as well there's so much that is yeah vulgar there's so much that's artistic there's so much that's raw there's so much that's it's it's so vast and so different in terms of its expression and there are so many different influences that came through at the time like a lot of burlesque is influenced by Middle Eastern dancing, like belly dancing, was something that really, really inspired a lot of early burlesque moves, as well as African dance moves, like the shimmy came from an African style of dance. And so it's all of these different cultures and all of these different influences that came and very much gave life to what burlesque is to then see it all being expressed on stage through these pop culture eyes where it's being glamorized in this very, very niche aspect that they think that the consumer will want just doesn't really represent what is true. Yeah, absolutely. I totally love that it can be expressing like the taboos and as you said, the vulgar pieces mm. and like embodying this this kind of dark side of our sexuality. Like I, I sometimes like to play like the succubus and like the, the dangerous <laughs> woman kind of archetypes. And it's really this way to reclaim that energy. And I know that you also incorporate some of those themes into your work with power play and BD. BDSM themes. So I'm, I'm curious mm -hmm. how you've kind of seen those kind of interplay and like to include that in your expression. Yeah, I'm very lucky in that in my time, I've actually had a lot of gigs that have ended up at sex parties and sex positive events and play parties and all sorts of things, <laughs> lots of different sex clubs and stuff. So being able to cater to those audiences and cater to those sorts of environments, I have sort of 
deemed myself as the foreplay for the foreplay. I so love a lot that. of That's okay. so fun. <laughs> it is, it is. So a lot of venues or events will hire me to come in sort of early in the night to do a performance to get people talking. And I know that that's what that's for. So I try to really push the boundaries or push what the expectations for that act would be. It's like putting on a a little sexy hat that really it's like a different mask for me very much so at least these very kinky performances so it's like creating again that archetype whatever archetype you want to play and I love playing someone definitely more dominant on stage I love being able to be a fierce femme fatale when I look up to people when I have looked up to women in my life they have always been the very very strong types they've always been the people the or the women that no one could tell anything. So I think about, you know, like Trinity from The Matrix, iconic. People like uh, Angelina Jolie in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like people or women who like often I think it's like spy women or women who were just dangerous. And so these femme fatale characters had always inspired me. So I love to play a very, very empowered woman on stage because that's what excites me. So playing these role play moments and coming out as someone who is completely in control and I love the idea of stepping into a space and being the most powerful woman in the room or being the most powerful person in the room and just demanding that people watch me for that X amount of time and hopefully they enjoy it and to which case they mostly do. So, it yeah, it's it's finding that aspect of role play and knowing that your audience members are always going to be a part of your performance no matter where you are but when it's in a sex party it's there's an extra element that you're trying to play with as well that is so much fun I love that idea that it's not just setting the mood and the ambiance but giving folks something to talk about and like Mm. inspiring maybe somebody to even come into their own dominance that night and Mm -hmm. like be that like kitten like rare lioness like just (laughs) going for it and in so Mm -hmm. many ways often we kind of feed on that energy to fuel our own Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, it's getting those people out of their comfort zone even just by that visual so that they can have the space to maybe ask for something that they want or say oh I loved when she did that I would love if that happened to me or something like that yeah so I love that that is so awesome and I know that there's so many different um, props that are included in performances Mm. it's not just the laundry but there's like the BDSM gear maybe like whips and floggers and we've actually been um, chatting a lot about the cultural impact and history of the magic wand and how it's just like this cultural icon for pleasure and I've seen um, art that has like uh, Betty Page-esque pinup girls like riding a magic wand rocket (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious um, what types of props you love to incorporate uh, when you're kind of doing these uh, more kinky fringe performances Mm. I love that you say you talk about the magic wand specifically because I have seen the magic wand used on stage many times many many times like pulling out of a lovely little sex toy box having that and I know people pick it up at the end and they use it as a little microphone and it's great I love that (laughs) it is I've seen it and it's it's a good time I personally do use sex toys on stage um not the way that you would expect but (laughs) I do have an act that uses a lovely lovely nine and a half inch uh, dildo but I also love using like canes uh, floggers what else paddles all sorts of yeah more of the BDSM side I like the idea that you know my performances make an impact (laughs) yeah absolutely I love that so much um for a while over COVID, I was hosting virtual sex parties uh, that were online mm-hmm. and I would do like little performances where I would, you know, take like a flogger and just like, you know, trace it all over or even a magic wand. And you're not actually like using it, as you said, in the way that people mm. would expect, but maybe like you're kind of hidden with your legs up and you're just like, oh, where's it going to go? Like, is it going to go 
on my nips? Is it going on my back? I don't know. And it's like this playful game that you get to play with because as soon as they see that iconic imagery or that toy Mm. or a flogger, it's already like lighting up those excited parts of the brain, even if you never end up using it in a, a, a sexual context. Yeah, I think it's those associated feelings that make it so exciting as well. Like people know how that feels. People know how these toys or these things should or do feel. So when you do use them on performances or in performances, you can have that audience's associated feelings with whatever you're using. Yeah, in your case, with that magic wand and to see your audience member to be like oh I know that vibration oh I know how that feels oh I know that and then to use it on yourself gives them that associated feeling so they can have those little shivers for themselves or if you are using that flogger and tracing it down your arm you're like getting those tingles because you know how that feels or how it should feel so I think yeah appealing to the senses is what it's all about so when you use something that's visual it's visually stimulating and if you use something that's touchy it's touchy stimulating so if you've got something that does all of those things you're just appealing to those senses Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's really taking the viewer on a sensory journey through the Mm. own sensory things that we're doing to our body. (laughs) Which is just so much more a part of the fun, isn't it? Just a quick pause from this episode to let you know that you can get your very own magic wand in my show notes below. As Ivana and I mentioned, they are not only incredible for pleasure, but incredible for performance. It can be so hot to simply trail them over your body, use them in different ways, and as Ivana said, they make a great massager on your body. I love using them all over um, my nips, on my clit, and you can use them all over your body or simply as a prop for pleasure too. But of course, I recommend exploring them in your most erotic zones and intimate areas, exploring them with a partner, and there are just so many different ways to use a magic wand. If you're curious about some of those different ways, hop on over to my episode with Erica, episode 10, where we explore all the different ways that you can use them. If you're a beginner, if you haven't used a toy like this before, if you haven't even had an orgasm before, or if you've had lots of orgasms, but want to have something that's tried and true, that'll make you orgasm over your pants time and time again. We explore all those different uses in episode 10. And of course, go get your own down in my show notes below and read all of my candid thoughts about each of the products from the original Ochi to the rechargeable, the plus and the mini and a comparison of all four (laughs) yeah absolutely what really gets you like in the zone before you step on stage to do a performance it's mantra for me I have backgrounds sort of in a lot of uh, holistic um, spirituality things especially in my family and growing up So for me, it's all about taking really, really, really big, meaningful breaths before I step out on stage. Or even if I'm on stage and my music has started, that's when I start taking those really full breaths. And it's all about telling yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to get yourself in the zone. And for me, it's like, I'm a goddess. I'm incredible. I'm the best person alive. I can do anything. You are so sexy. You can absolutely do this. You've trained your whole life for this. You'll be fine. Just like repeating those things in your head, even just right before you go out, even if you don't believe them, like you don't have to believe them. That's not the point. Um, And I definitely don't believe all of them all of the time, but it's about changing that mindset right away. Because if you've got that nervousness or you've got that, um, yeah, that, self-doubt which can creep in at any point like if you're going to step out and dance in front of a hundred people I'm sure you're going to have some level of nervousness so for me it's all about okay stop reset take those breaths and I take that really really big deep breath and on every exhale in my head I'm running like a million positive thoughts down my body so that hopefully I'll think it or at least I'll exude that the second I start performing 
I love the transparency of that because I feel like so many folks can look at somebody that's a professional performer or has a podcast or a social media following and say, oh my gosh, that person must be confident all the time. I don't feel that confident all the time. But the reality is that like we're still having to hype ourselves up and pep talk ourselves to do it because we struggle with the same insecurities as everybody else. (laughs) Absolutely. The imposter syndrome, the you know, self-doubt, that's, that's not a, that's not something that comes from the need to have those feelings. Nobody needs to have those feelings. You, you're you not yeah. worth any less if you have those feelings. They're just very common. I think it's very important to have those feelings in a way because it very much pushes you to do better. It very much tells you, okay, well, if I'm feeling like this, maybe I do need more practice or maybe I do need to really, you know, take care of my performance or make sure that I'm doing better in every aspect. So those feelings of anxiety are very important. They just kind of suck. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also reminding me of um, the community and having that community around Mm. you to be able to boost you up and, you know, cheer you on and give you that applause and give you that mentorship and feedback too, that often if we're doing something in a vacuum, whether it's, you know, teaching ourselves burlesque on YouTube, let's say, or, you know, trying to do anything in the public eye Mm. on our own, it can be really scary and intimidating. But then when you have that community really behind you, it can empower you and light you up. Mm, Absolutely. What advice would you have for somebody that hasn't done burlesque before, but that wants to start, whether they want to do it just as a hobby or try it or get on stage once or even pursue a career in it to get started for them? It is all about finding a class. Start with finding a class. There will be someone who knows something. And yeah, Google it. Google where you can find burlesque if there's burlesque near you. And if there isn't burlesque near you, there's a couple of online platforms that you can probably find to access the art as well. And just start researching. Start looking into the history. Start finding where this this art form comes from because the history is in my mind and in my opinion, the most important part. It's the part that really, really explains why we're doing what we're doing. And I think it's really important for people to really look into why they're doing what they're doing. A lot of people just do do something because they think they should do it or because they like dancing. So it's the next step. But what is the reason that you want to do this style specifically what is the reason and then explore that really get into that part and if find people who have the same story find people who you know did that throughout history because the history goes back thousands of years and there's so much excitement around all of these different aspects and the voices of the people who came before us are so important because they're the people who pushed history so that we can do this freely today they're the people who push the boundaries to say no, we need more rights. We need we need more. And if you look at women's history, in the past 100 years, so much has happened and so much has been done. And for these women's voices to get erased is, is just not what this is about. It's about really, really paying attention and saying, these are the really cool ladies that help me be able to do what I can do today. And I yeah. would be nowhere without them. It's so so powerful to look back at the trailblazers and just Mm. see who lit the path for us to be able to walk in their, in their footsteps and continue to build and grow on it and create all of the amazingness that we have now. And that's going to continue to evolve in the future. It's just so powerful. Mm. It is. And it's so exciting. Like these women were so cool and lived such cool lives, especially in a time when you think, when you think about like the 1950s woman that's not the 1950s woman you would expect. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love learning about like just the fringes and it, it would just so shaped and gave a voice for us to step out of these conventional norms and being a housewife and a mother. And not that you can't do all of those things and still do burlesque, but that these were kind of the only options that were being given to us. And then we get to choose our own path. Absolutely. 
I love that so much. Where can people go to find your work and your performances and your workshops and get involved with everything that you do? If there is a social media platform, I probably have it. Uh, But I have a website. If you ever want to check out what I'm up to, that's probably the best place to find the most up-to-date information about where I'm going, what I'm doing. So that's at www.ivanadaloon.com. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. What else is there? Twitter. People still use that. (laughs) Yeah, everything, anything and everything. Just spell my name. I'm sure you'll find me. Thank you so much, Ivana. All that info is going to be in the show notes below. And it has just been such a pleasure chatting with you about this. I'm so thrilled to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's all for this week, my pleasure seekers. Thank you so much for being here and go follow Ivana all over. You are going to be thrilled to check out Ivana's social media. It is absolutely delicious and enticing and delightful. So go enjoy and yeah, check out these workshops. Get yourself into some burlesque. I can't wait to try it myself and start embodying my own fierce femme fatale through the art. I am just so pumped to have opened up this new world for myself and I hope that it opens up some inspiration and eroticism for you too. If you're also inspired to welcome more pleasure into your life, you can go get the magic wand, whichever one you choose. I have all four linked in my show notes below. They are so yummy and juicy. And honestly, they inspire my own pleasure. The more that I'm exploring my own solo pleasure at home or on the go when I travel, the more that I feel erotic in every sense of my life, not only in partnered play and in coupled explorations, but I just feel more sexy like getting up and walking around and feeling like a sex goddess as I move through the world like Ivana said that femme fatale energy I know the more that I'm embracing my own solo pleasure the more that that energy just radiates through me through my body and starts to impact every aspect of my life and the magic wand is the way that always gets me reliably there every single time so I absolutely recommend it you can read all of my thoughts and my candid reviews on my site slutty girl problems and all of those links are in the show notes below. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode that I am so excited to share with you. And until then, go indulge in your pleasure, my pleasure seekers, and enjoy.